Welcome to the TappingSolution.com's Bits and Pieces podcast, where we share information designed to change your life. Whether you're new to EFT tapping or an old hand, you'll find simple, inspiring information to brighten your day, motivate you, and help you live your best life. To learn more about tapping, visit thetappingsolution.com. Now, here's today's clip. Hi there. In today's podcast, we have a fantastic clip from my sister Jessica's Hay House radio show. I hope you enjoy the clip. Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. And I'm thrilled to be with you. This is going to be a fantastic show. I have a great guest today that I'm going to bring um, into the conversation in just a little bit, the amazing Latham Thomas. And... This show is all about getting unstuck. If you feel like you know, you're struggling to find your flow, you feel really stuck and you feel a lot of social pressures to succeed and to make things happen, but you're trying hard and nothing is working, then you are in the right place because we're going to be speaking to wellness maven and founder of Mama Glow, Latham Thomas, who will guide us to make life changes with grace and ease. She's going to have a lot of glow tips, health affirmative practices, and really inspiring insights. So I'm excited to bring her on. In, in about 15 minutes, she'll be joining us. So, you know, this conversation of doing things with ease is an interesting one that we have to continuously have because we live in a culture that really teaches us that in order to achieve things, we need to push. And so we try as hard as we can, and we, we really wear struggle like this badge of armor, like this, this badge to be proud of saying that um, this badge of honor is the word I was looking for, that thought that if I struggle, then it means that I'm valuable and that I'm worthy and that I'm doing enough. But that very struggle is what causes us to begin to self-sabotage ourselves or to feel really worn down to the point where we're not resourceful, we're not innovative, we're not finding our flow. That very stress that we feel is we need to kind of prove ourselves is the very thing that's holding us back from finding our higher purpose and and knowing what the next step is for us. I filmed a, a video last week with a cow, not a real one, a fake one. I have a blue cow that sits on my desk. And I always look at it because about seven years ago, now this cow has been sitting on my desk for seven years and I'll tell you why. So seven years ago, we had just finished making the documentary film, The Tapping Solution. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever done making this film. And every time I was struggling, I would turn to the tapping because the amazing thing about tapping is when you begin to release your stress that's when the answers become clear and you do find your flow. So I was using tapping, but at the same time, I was, you know, I, I did have this desperation of wanting things to take off. I had made the decision to move into my parents' house. They luckily, they let me move in and work from their basement as I was working on the film because we had no outside finances and we had no film experience. And so it was a, a really big risk. So I had this, this image in my head that if I just worked hard enough on the movie, 
that when the movie came out, it would be this massive success. Oprah would call me and everything would just be perfect. And I'd be able to move out of my parents' house and, and be able to have a job doing something that I really loved, you know, you know, doing this tapping. And when the film came out, it was a success. A lot of people were getting it, were buying it. It was really well received, but it wasn't that massive success I wanted. And it wasn't, um, it didn't give us enough money to really build a life. And so I called one of my friends, her name's Ariane de Bonvoisin. She has an amazing book called The First 30 Days. I called her crying and I said, Ariane, I am tired. I feel like I'm tapping. I'm meditating. I, I took the chance and I made the film. I feel like I'm doing everything right. Why is nothing working for me? And she said, what do you mean it, nothing's working for you? You just made an amazing film. And I said, I know, but I just, I want to get out of my parents' house. I want to, I want to start my life. And she said to me, you know, just as you speak, I keep having this image of a, a farmer and a cow. I'm thinking, what are you talking about? She goes, you're the farmer. And yes, you went to work. You went to this cow, you milk this cow. And here you are, you have this amazing milk, this film that you created. And yes, you want more, but maybe there's just the cow doesn't have any more milk right now. You need to allow, you need to appreciate what you have and let the cow be the cow. So maybe the question isn't to do more, but to begin to allow more, to know that you did what you could. And now it's a moment to step back and just let things unfold. Let the cow be the cow, let other things line up. And it's those moments where we live life. And we, in those moments of waiting for something to happen, we can decide to suffer through the uncertainty or do everything we can to enjoy the journey, to enjoy that space of endless possibilities, knowing that as long as we're showing up on the farm, everything else is being taken care of, that things are unfolding as they should. And our guest today, one of the reasons that I really love what Latham does is she looks at nature and she looks to see, you know, whether it's a metaphor, you know, I know she'd love this metaphor with the, with the farmer and the cow, but whether it's that or the way people farm or seeds grow, her whole thing is about looking at nature and following the rhythms of nature in order to find our best rhythm. Where we get stuck is we want things to happen now. And it's that impatience uh, and that unwillingness to allow ourselves to give that seed time to just do its thing. You know, yes, we need to water. Yes, we need to have that sunshine. But there is a divine timing in that process. We can't water something once and then panic that you know, the day after we planted the seed, that it's not sprouting. And when we're able to feel more relaxed, not only are we able to enjoy life more, but things become easier as we are more creative and innovative. You know, I can't say this enough. We tend to get the best ideas when we're in the shower. Or Einstein famously said that he gets the best ideas when he's shaving. It's because when we allow ourselves those moments of relaxation, that's when the answer is clear. But I know that when you have bills piling up or you have all these weddings to go to and you're still single or you know you have your your back pain flaring up, it's hard to be patient in those moments because we have this idea of what we want our life to be and that's where the tapping comes in. So 
If you're brand new to the show, tapping is a stress relief technique where you tap on acupressure points while you focus on what is bothering you. Because when we have that thought of feeling impatient and feeling desperate for change, that's not a, a thought that just lives in our mind. That's a thought that can take control of our entire body. And so we feel that in t- that panic. So we try to talk our way out of that thought and out of that anxiety, but it's hard when we feel the pressure in our chest or the knot in our stomach. So tapping is about getting clear on the physical sensations we're feeling, the thought that's creating that physical sensation and stimulating the point. And that sends a calming signal to the brain, letting your brain know that even though you have this thought, it's safe for you to relax. So even though we know that we need to have patience, the idea can create anxiety in our body. Now, one of the reasons why patience is so difficult is because we believe many times that something has to happen before we can be happy. So the reason that we're feeling impatient is because we feel like our life is on hold. We feel like we can't breathe because we have no oxygen. We're waiting to come alive. We're waiting for this thing to happen. And that belief that something needs to happen in order for us to begin to feel good is what keeps us in jail. It robs us of our life. You know, I used to say to myself, once I overcome this challenge, you know, once this film takes off and I, and I'm able to make more money, once this challenge is over, then my life will begin. And I realized that the challenges I was facing was my life and I was allowing it to pass me by. And instead of being frustrated with the challenge, what if that challenge was there just to remind me of how precious my life is and to help me come alive, to help me thrive. And so it's important to let go of that anxiety and bring in this new belief that this time in between before our dreams are fulfilled and our wishes come true, that's the time to really nurture ourselves and to remember that in this moment, we're alive. We are alive and we have a choice to make. We have to choose how we want to feel. So let's do some tapping together. All right. It's just Us at this point, I'm going to let you know where to tap. If you're completely new to tapping, you can go to thetappingsolution.com. I actually have a free um, CD for uh, tapping for stress relief. So it's thetappingsolution.com to know where the points are. But let's just do two quick rounds of tapping. Before I do that, if if anything that I'm saying is resonating with you and you want to get some one-on-one coaching from Latham and I, Make sure you call in. The number is 1-866-254-1579. That's 1-866-254-1579. You can also find that number on my uh, on my Facebook profile, facebook.com forward slash following Jessica Ordner. Call in because we would love to support you. So, okay, tapping on the side of the hand, repeat after me. Even though I want this to happen now, and I can't relax until this dream comes true. I accept myself and how I feel. We're gonna say that two more times again, tapping on your karate chop point. Repeat after me, go on, go on and tap. Even though I can't relax until this dream comes true, 
I accept myself and how I feel. And one more time, even though I can't relax until this dream comes true, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. Eyebrow point, all of this pressure, side of the eye, it needs to happen now. Under the eye, waiting for my life to begin. Under the nose, I'm trying so hard. Chin, and nothing is working. Collarbone, so I try harder. Under the arm, and I beat myself up. Top of the head, all of this pressure. Eyebrow. I begin to let this pressure go. Side of the eye. Everything is unfolding as it should. Under the eye, it's safe to relax. under the nose and be open to the possibilities. Chin, I'm open to the answers. Collarbone, I'm open to a miracle. Under the arm, it's safe to let go. Top of the head, and trust. Okay, take a deep breath in and exhale. So that was two quick rounds. Again, the key with tabbing is to be very clear on the thought that's creating the anxiety. Stay with that. Sometimes it's more than one round. Maybe it's, you know, five rounds of just giving a voice of allowing yourself to honor how you feel and then you can move on to the positive. So to help continue this amazing conversation about letting dreams unfold, finding your flow, taking care of yourself. Again, like I said, we are speaking to the amazing Latham Thomas. She was called a fitness and nutrition powerhouse by Dr. Oz, and she's really been helping transform the lives of thousands of thousands of women by being a maternity lifestyle maven, wellness and birth coach, a yoga teacher, and the author of Mama Glow, A Hip Guide to Your Fabulous Abundance Pregnancy. Now, I am a massive fan of Latham, and I am not a mother, and I'm not expecting, so I'm so excited that she is coming out with another book next year called Own Your Glow, A Soulful Guide for Luminous Living and Crowning the Queen Within. Because again, I've heard her speak many times, and she just is a wise woman. I'm excited to talk to her now. Latham, welcome to the show. Jessica, thank you so much for having me. Well, I keep saying it. I am such a fan of yours. And, you know, the first half of the show, we did some tapping on, and, you know, on patience and on trusting. And I want to talk about this idea of glowing. And I want to hear a little bit more about yourself and 
your take on life because it's so aligned with what we've been talking about. So tell us a bit about yourself and why, you know, you're passionate about helping people find their own glow. Well, first off, I think that um, what's really important is that my journey um, for self started, um, you know, really with the pregnancy of my son. Um, That's where I really became aware of this incredible light that I was uh, carrying inside. Um, My son actually helped me tap into that in a deep way. And from that, I was able to gather through listening um, intuitively through messages that were coming through me that I was to be guiding women along this journey, whether it was birthing babies, helping them birth the best iteration of themselves or their businesses. It's all the same energy that it, that it takes to create a child that it does to create a business right? Mm. Or whatever it is that you want to bring into your life, you're calling in a a partner, Um, whatever it is, a screenplay, a ballet, whatever, it comes from the same creative matrix that we house our babies in, which is our root chakra, right? And the the womb space. And so I got really enthralled with this concept of really dropping in and being rooted in, in, and moving from that place first, right from the hips, from the womb. And that's really the seat of where what I consider glow power um, in women is reclaiming our bodies, the sacredness of our bodies, um, of our parts that nobody else has but us and the magic that we can do um, that no one else can. And so I think that through all the cultural um, sort of, I guess, yeah, a lot of the cultural and, and social trappings that, um, that make women feel less of themselves, like they're not worthy, that, they've, that they're flawed inherently. Um, we, you know, we can strip all that back. We don't have to claim that. We can actually change the legacy. And when I kind of realized that, I think that's where everything turned on full blast, right? Like it was like all the lights were on in the house. Um, and that's really what, you know, my work is about is helping women. Everybody comes with this light. Like I'm not putting light in people or I don't have like this, you know, we all have light coding, right? So I'm just helping people to tap into their light coding so that they can actually pass it around and use it to infuse not just their own lives, the lives of others, and the legacy that they'll leave behind, the work and, um, and yeah, the work that they're going to bring to others through their passion. So, um, right. so that's really what I'm about. I love that. I love that. And, you know, who doesn't want to feel that, that glow and that, and, and, and that inner light? And I think for many women, we have moments where we feel like that comes easier than others. And a lot of times I get callers and they say, you know, I, I've had moments where I feel like I'm, you know, tapping into that light. But then, you know, right now I'm in a, in a space where I just feel really unmotivated and, and really stuck. So when someone comes to you and says, you know, Latham, I, I get what you're saying. I, I, there's all these things I know that I should be doing, but I just feel so unmotivated and stuck. What advice do you have for them? 
Yeah, well, you know, I think the interesting thing about uh, motivation is that um, we get the sense that we're always supposed to be doing something, right? It's like if you're not doing something, you're lazy. If you haven't completed all these tasks, like you're slow or something's wrong with you or you're depressed or... And sometimes it's just that you don't want to do it, right? Or that um, it's not the right thing for you to be doing, right? Maybe um, Mm -hmm. instead of motivation, we should be thinking about inspiration, right? Like, you know, inspiration will beget motivation. If you're inspired, then you'll get up and go, right? So motivation is secondary, right? Um, to have the energy and the and the drive and the will to do something comes from being inspired in the first place, right? Um, it's the action step yes. that takes you towards fulfillment of that thing that you are looking to do or seeking to behold or become. So I think the first question is, well, what's, you know, inspiring me, right? What lifts me up? What makes me want to get up and do backflips in the morning, what can I not stop thinking about doing? What is it that if I could have only one thing in the world that I couldn't live without, right? Like we need to really explore more deeply what it is that we could be doing that could bring our life into a place of such fulfillment that we're denying ourselves because of social, you know, um, decorum and you know, parents or lovers or our own standards for ourselves. Um, You know, we come here with a mission and um, a lot of the times, you know, things happen along the way and we go go off mission, right? And we get lost Mm -hmm. and we start doing things that we believe we're supposed to be doing because we know they'll yield a result, right? Like, I will have this job, it'll give me money, I'll be comfortable, I'll be happy, right? But if you're not doing what you want to do in the first place, then all of those things don't happen, right? Like, the money doesn't do anything to make you comfortable because you're filling a void because you're not actually on mission anymore, right? So I think the first right. thing is find rerouting yourself, right? And the GPS, which I talk about in the book, the Glow Power System, helps us to reroute and get back on mission, right? And explore really what is inside of us that wants to come up because there's a relentless light in each of us that wants to shine and it won't stop until you really notice it and it'll send you signals, right? And you'll see things and it'll send you subtle ones as whispers and then it'll start speaking to you really loudly if you don't want to listen and you'll find your way. I mean, I have a perfect example of that, that for years I knew I was supposed to be a labor doula, and I kept, I'm this tourist, so I'm stubborn, so I was like, no, I'm not doing that, like, I think I'm good in these areas of my business, everything's great, we had a huge client list, working with amazing people, I was not trying to add this, and then I went to an ashram and to teach, and it was over my birthday, and on my birthday, they did a puja ceremony, and the Vedic astrologer, who was like four feet tall and with a very long beard, he came up to me and said, you know, I have a reading for you. And so I went to take the reading. And in that reading, he said to me, "Um, you know, you're supposed to be mothering the mother. And I was like, I feel like I'm already doing that. He gave me a couple of dates, which I wrote down. Lo and behold, 
on, you know, May 15th was the date that he gave me, which was a few days after my birthday. So I was like, I mean, this is going to happen really fast, whatever it is, right? And that date correlated with um, the date that I was actually accepted to a doula fellowship program. That was a very clear sign that I was supposed to do that, right? And I had not been listening to the whispers along the way. Right. And I had to get it I, in that form, you know? Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting about what you're saying as well is that when we have moments where we're saying, oh, well, I feel stuck, maybe it isn't that there's anything wrong, but that's just information yes. of let me take a break and kind of take a step back and, and look around to see what life is trying to tell me. And maybe it's, it's time for me to go a different direction. And I love this inspiration, no motivation, because when we're feeling stuck, like we need a change, many of us go right to motivation, which we look at a struggle. We need to motivate ourselves. We need to push ourselves and to criticize ourselves. I mean, it's one of the great things about tapping is that we have, to, it's all about letting go, not right. fighting through the feeling, not fighting the feeling, but accepting it. And, right. uh, and, and that, that's fascinating. I mean, I really hope that if someone's listening and they're feeling stuck to, it's so important to stop being so hard on ourselves and that's to realize it's, it's just an being, invitation. Yes. Being hard. It's like, think about that word being hard on ourselves. Like we're supposed to be gentle and soft and treat ourselves like we would treat somebody who needed our care, like an infant. Treat yourself with that same hand. Be kind, seek blessing onto yourself because there's enough that's challenging in the world if you see your mm -hmm. eyes through that, if you see the world through those eyes, right? So we right. have to, we definitely have to stop being hard on ourselves. Yeah. Well, one of the things uh, that I also love that you do is you always look at nature. I mean, I think this is fantastic because even I remember reading um, Da Vinci's journals and if you see the way that he would make his inventions, he would just look at nature and try to replicate it. Yes. And I've heard you speak a few times and, and you're always looking at nature and finding ways that we can replicate the rhythm of nature into our own lives. One being, you know, you saying that you look at creation, going for the mother, and now you're teaching people how to birth businesses and books and things like that. So can you tell us about the way you view nature and the rhythm of creation? Yeah, so, you know, I grew up in California, and um, I grew up surrounded by, you know, the beautiful ambient landscape. It was just part of, you know, living and breathing, you know, like going outside and getting herbs and grab a tomato here for the salad. Like it was just part of how I grew up. So I didn't really see a separation between ourselves and, and the plant world. I saw it as a symbiotic relationship. We very much need them and they need us sometimes too. Um, so I, um, but what I would observe was that, you know, in its perfection, you know, plants just kind of go with the flow. Like, there's no resistance when it's autumn. Like, they're not, like, huddling together, upset about having to lose their leaves, you know, the trees. They just kind of let them fall gracefully, you know. And, and you know, when, when the plant goes through the process of, like, giving birth and it's ready to, you know, you know let its fruits come, there's no, there's no angst. It's just that everything gets nice and ripe. You know, if you look at an orange, it just grows beautifully. It's hard at first and, like, greenish, and, you know, its stem is really nice and strong. And then it starts to, you know, from the, the elements,
elements of nature, you know, the sun, the rain, the wind, you know, the ether, right, blesses it. And, and it starts to get from the soil up all the way, right, through the tip, that teeny little stem comes all of what it needs. That's its umbilical cord, right? And so it gets everything it needs and becomes laden with sugars and water and very heavy and dense and orange and bright, and it starts to, like, give off a scent, right, which attracts, like, animals that might want to eat it and spread its seed. And then it decides when it's ready to give birth to the orange. It decides... And it drops the orange to the earth. That's when it's ready. That's when it's ripe, right? And if you try to pull it even a second before, you realize that you're tugging on the rest of the universe. It's not ready, okay? And I think like that about our bodies. I think like that about our businesses. Like everything takes time and there's process. And we're society that's really focused on... Um, you know, outcomes. We're very focused on results, right? Like, okay, what's the, you know, what's, what are the results and what do the numbers look like and what are the metrics? And, like, there's a lot of things that count that can't be counted, right? There's, like, a lot of things that matter that there's no device to contain it, right, to explain it because that everything needs to be explained, right? There's magic that's unfolding even when these these numbers and these systems all break down, right, because mm-hmm. they're man-made, there's all this magic that's still unfolding with or without our permission, right? right? And if we can look at nature as an example, it teaches us to be fluid, right? It teaches us to delve more into our feminine, which is about um, observance and about receptivity and about inclusiveness and, um, you know, about celebration uh, of of fertility, of giving birth to things. But again, it takes time, right? Like everything takes time. And so I think that when we're looking at, you know, the angst of hurrying up to do something, I have to hurry up and do this or I have to push this out or I got to launch this website or I got to hurry up and get pregnant. It's like says who, right? Like there's some sort of external motivation for these things that makes us feel the drive, but it's totally outside of what nature wants us to do, which is to be soft and and to be still and to wait. And when I say stillness, I don't mean like not doing anything. When you're still, things are still happening, right? What you're doing, though, is you're creating a vacuum to draw to you the experiences that you want, the things you want to draw forth. Um, You know, it's like when a mother is pregnant, you know, you don't really know what's happening because it's happening beneath a veil, right? There's a child, Mm -hmm. you know, growing. And you don't know what's happening. You just know that in nine months, somebody comes out perfect and beautiful with cheeks and, you know, and yet all of that was unfolding, right? You just see the result. And so a lot of what we have to do, our personal work, and that's going to actually help us along the journey, is happening in darkness. Nobody can see it. So you don't have to talk about it and feel like if other people, you know, you're looking at their timelines and it's like, oh, I'm doing this, I'm hanging out with this one, I'm doing that. You don't have to feel bad about that. You know, like, they're also doing stuff that you can't see, just like you are. So... yeah. 
we have to value that everything takes time and that, um, you know, process um, over just, you know, product alone. And it's really process that makes perfect because when we take our time and let something unfold the way it wants to, that's when we get um, a beautiful result that could only be crafted by nature and by the universe. And when we rush through it is when things have, you know, problems or we make mistakes, right? Because we're trying to uh, push an outcome. Yeah, I feel like this has become more challenging with social media and you know, if you have your own business or, or just, you know, watching what pe- other people are doing in the way that we can get stuck in that habit of, of comparing ourselves mm-hmm. that keeps us stuck and feeling like we need to keep up with the Joneses, which, um, you know, can, can be awful. But when I heard you share this one time, we both were speaking at this Hay House event and I, what really stuck, struck me is this concept of allowing yourself to go into darkness when you're creating. And so when I made, when I wrote the book, you know, I, for me, I, I don't, don't think everyone needs to do this, but for me, I decided to do just two months of no social media. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I went to this place where I kind of told everyone that I love, like I'm working on something. I love you. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here, but I'm just kind of going into my own. And I just allowed myself to be in this stillness and it, almost in this, it felt like this darkness and this space of creating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, I had the ability to, to be able to do that in my life to kind of disconnect. I mean, for other people, they might have kids and other responsibilities, but having those moments of going yes. within is so important. Yes, it's 100% necessary. We all need portals for self-renewal. We need mm-hmm. a place to go in that allows us to emerge fresh. It also allows us to get done what we need to do, Right underground. And it's important, too, to see how people treat you when they realize that you're going to do that. Because when you're doing that, it means you're on mission, right? And if people love you, they just let you be. They turn around, they go mind their business, they pray for you, but they go mind their business. And then people who don't want to see you win bother you. They heard you the first time that you're writing a book, but then they call you every day and invite you to events. And, you know, (laughs) it's like, they don't get it. It's really good to learn who those people are because not everybody that's wishing you something is wishing you well. And so I think in this day and age where there's so many people who are so open and, you know, building themselves up spiritually and they're also very um, open to and susceptible to, to people who will take their energy um, for themselves and feed off of it and deplete them, especially when they're in a position where they need to be, um, you know, working towards uh, creating their um, their light, you know, whatever they're going to bring into the world. They're in the process of light coding, and here comes somebody who wants to take. And so we have to see when we're in these situations, like, is this, wow, this person is like that. Okay, cool. Note to self, because you have to start to protect yourself in a way when you have this energy that's potent, that's used for creation, right? It's like when you don't, when you're pregnant and you don't tell anybody for the first 12 weeks because you want to protect yourself, right? Um, because you don't know what's happening, but you know that, you know, anything could happen up to then. Same thing with your projects. Protect them. Don't tell everybody everything, right? Have a few people in your sister circle you confide in, but don't tell every, it's not everyone's business. It's like, 
if you're having a baby, it's not everybody's business, right? Um, the same thing, whatever you're creating, it's nobody's business but yours and the creator who put it in your hands to do. Just do it. Let people see the outcome because when you allow too many voices outside of your own voice to get involved, it steers you off course. And obviously there's moments where you pop up, you get feedback, you talk to the people that are in your trusted sister circle or if you're a man, your man circle, right? (laughs) But your brother circle. But you have to find these people who can protect you, who really are there for you early. Because as you see that you're doing these things, more and more people come to take the energy. Yeah, it's it's very true. And I found that um, saying, learning to say no has been one of the biggest struggles and then one of the biggest blessings when I learned how to say no. And now I love it. I love saying no. And mm-hmm. what's great is that I have, I also have friends who, if I say no, they're like, go you for saying no and for taking care yes. of yourself. That's that, that really supportive community. But what if someone is struggling with speaking up for themselves and creating that boundary? Do you have any advice or tips for them? Yeah, I think that, you know, my first foray into learning how to say no um, was around my menstrual cycle. Um, I know just how my body works is that I'm tired when my cycle comes on and I want to rest. And for some reason, I would overbook myself with tons of stuff to do during that time. And then I would want to say no, but I had already committed. So what I did was I learned, I said, okay, this is a time that I know I'm going to want to rest up. Let me mark out on the calendar for that week in red so that I'm clear, right? If people ask me to do things in that week, I will say no, right? This is just a practice. I'll just say no. And what it did was... um, Because I had an objective, right, which was to create a boundary that would allow me the rest that I felt like I needed um, and that would also allow me to practice something that I wasn't so great at. Um, It served a dual purpose. And I learned and it became like clockwork. I was like, oh, yeah, girl, no, I can't. And I wouldn't make an excuse. Because, first of all, it's nobody's business why you can't do something or why you don't want to. So I would just say no and just see how people handle that. And at first I would say, oh, well, you know, it's because this. And then I stopped doing that. I was like, you know what? No. Just the answer is no. And people stopped asking me for certain things. They knew that they couldn't come for certain things. And it created a space where I knew where I began and ended and so did they. You know, so that's an easy one because, you know, for women, um, if you're, you know, if you have a menstrual cycle, then it's one that's okay. You know, there's physical things that happen that might make you want to rest more. Right. Um, And it's also a time where we're very lucid. It's a good time to be dreaming and doing your meditation and self-care practices, which was another reason why I did that for myself. Um, But like even if you don't have that, there's other things in life that come up. Like, think about something that's challenging for you that comes up frequently where you wish that you could have a different outcome, but you won't stick up for yourself. So I don't know what that situation is. There's so many permutations, right? But look at that thing 
and see how can I choose myself first, right? And what's a way that I can make a decision that will serve me first and then others second, right? But serving right. myself first. And you'll find the answer, right? Is you know, it might be a milder version. You might not be like Jessica and I and just be able to say no, right? But you might find something that's a little bit closer, right? And yeah. get you further along. And you have to be able to practice. You know, when I started, I was a stumbling mess. You know, I would just talk too much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like I would completely over explain why I had to say no. And then I'd feel good. And I had to kind of maneuver through that until I found my flow and I got better and just through then with some practice, now it's a lot easier. Right. I mean, and definitely also have honoring... to walk with that guilt, you know, like dance through right. the guilt of it because people are going to make you feel guilty. But guess what? The, you know, it's you at the end of the day who's got it going to resent that you put energy into doing something that didn't feel good to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's important to also notice how we begin to react to other people saying no and making right. sure that we're not running the same pattern of, of pressuring people or creating exactly. judgments around it. Exactly. Yeah. So Latham, would you be up for taking a live question? Of course. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we have a caller who wants some advice about um, writing her book and starting her coaching business. So can we talk to Sarah from Illinois? Sarah, are you there? Hi, Sarah. Oh, I think we might have lost her. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear oh, you. Hi, hi, how are you? I'm here. <laughs> so sorry, I, I had you on mute. <laughs> oh, no worries, no worries. Uh, so um, I see here that you um, want to write a book. Let us uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and and uh, ask Latham your question. Yes, yes. Well, first of all, I'm just loving the show so far. You ladies are you. doing such a wonderful job. I resonate with everything, of course. Yay. Um, I'm working on a book right now um, mm. about my, my soul dog who passed. And mm. just, you know, I thought it's definitely changed a few times and I keep getting stuck and then I'm motivated and I'm writing. And when I'm writing, I feel so good. Yes. And when I'm not writing, I feel guilty. I feel like, you know, why aren't I making the time? I start feeling bad about myself. Um, but when I am doing it, so I know it's not, I don't know if it's inspiration or motivation. I heard what you were saying earlier. I know that it is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. But I keep getting, I just keep getting, you know, stuck in it. Right. And so mm -hmm. I'm not sure how to, how to like make this plan. Okay. Um, let me ask you something. How many times are you showing up to write? Like, how often do you write currently? Well, like, I haven't written in a week, but then the week before I wrote every day. Okay. So the biggest thing about writing, and I know Jessica could speak on this too, is that um, just showing up, whether nothing comes out or not, is already huge. So... You want to make a practice of showing up daily like you did and allow yourself and your mind space to just be open. Sometimes you're going to find things that, um, that, that have nothing to do with what you're writing that you're going to want to do. And sometimes you're not, you know, your, your, your work for the day is to actually go live life and then come back to your computer later. 
Um, I think it's totally fine. I mean, I have a process of writing where I have stints where I really write, and then I go away, and I take some time, and then I come back. And what I find is when I come back that when I'll reread stuff, um, first of all, I can tell that it's channeled because I don't remember writing some of it. But then I'll see that um, I might have something better to bring to it that I took the space. So the fact that you're taking the space away is good also. Um, but I think what, you know, what might be helpful, especially when you're feeling stuck in the writing process too, is, um, you know, go do things outside, especially it's like warm. I don't know where you're located, but it's nice out. Like be out in nature, get your feet on the earth, onto the soil and be under a tree someplace or in the ocean or someplace that breathes life, you know, and mm-hmm. allow yourself to pick up and be nurtured by those energies and then go write about what you're feeling, like what's coming through you and allow that opening because that's a portal, right, to open you up. Then from there, you can sit at your computer and see what comes up about what you're writing because sometimes it's just moving through our life that actually helps us to and, and gives us inspiration. It's the play, you know. Um, recreation also breeds inspiration. So we can't forget to play. So I'm not going to be the person who tells you that taking a week off of writing is bad because I don't believe it is. I think that it depends if you're, you know, doing stuff that doesn't feel good to you. But if you're doing things that make you feel good and it allows you to take a break so you can come back fresh with respite and and, and feel excited about what you're writing, then I think it's actually a good thing. Mm-hmm. Wow, that resonates so much with me because my book really is about death. And mm-hmm. so I think getting what you said into nature and about life and under the tree, like, wow, that could really help me <laughs> yeah. get that new perspective. Yeah, and don't be down on yourself. Like, you know, Jessica and I were talking about it earlier. Like, you just get in a place where you're like, yeah, and I didn't do this, I didn't do that. But again, you you know, the motivation will come when you're inspired, right? So let yourself be inspired first and then seek these moments of inspiration, right? So when you wake up, what is it that I want to move me today? And, you know, and ask God to order your steps, like to, to find your way to these things that will inspire you. Because then when you really feel that inside, the writing is just going to come through your fingertips. It's very oh, true. That's so beautiful. Well, Vicki, thank you so much for calling in. I, I'm sure a lot of people can resonate to that. So um, thank you very much. Thank oh, you. Thanks so much for calling on me. <laughs> yeah. And sorry, I just realized I called you Vicki. Sarah. <laughs> I meant Sarah. Um, thank you. So, uh, you know, Latham, that was great. And even for people who aren't writing, who are doing any project, giving us ourselves that space to live and to play. I know mm-hmm. when I was when I was writing, I went to, I left the city and I, when it was my writing time, sometimes I wouldn't be even at my computer. I would just go outside and, and like walk in a circle, <laughs> I know that sounds yes. silly, but I would just walk in a circle, like thinking about what I wanted to write right. and giving myself that time to just walk and, and be with my own thoughts, which brings me to, to my next question. As we begin to create these moments of creation, where we go into that that space, what are some things that we could do to help us 
take time for ourselves and to get into that space. I know we can definitely walk in nature, but what are some other, um, you know, just routines that you really recommend? Right. Well, you know, I have, and I talk about this a lot in the book, um, the new book too, is um, a glow time practice. And I think everybody should have this. And glow time is really just anything that allows you to get out of your head into your body and relax, right? So it's one of those places that brings you that self-renewal, whether it's like in 60 seconds or 60 minutes. Um, I think that, you know, on the shorter end of things, if you don't have a lot of time, you know, um, see, having a seated five-minute meditation practice does wonders. Um, I think also so does a hot bath, you know, with some salts and maybe essential oils. Um, also massage, you know, um, touch transmits uh, healing and also um, intention. So, you know, it's really nice to have someone lay on hands um, that are meant to heal you and help open you up. Um, so I am a big proponent of massage therapy. Um, I also think that, um, you know, time with, with friends is really important. And as busy as we get, you know, we often realize and look up and notice that we haven't seen our closest friends in a while, or maybe we've been texting only. Uh, it's really good to make time for the people who make you feel more like yourself and the people who make you feel good. So um, cultivating that. And another thing is, you know, whether you have a romantic partner or not, um, you know, pleasure is a big piece. And I talk to so many women who um, have, you know, haven't been having orgasms or can't. Um, learning your body is so important. Um, you know, not just, um, you know, like uh, to, to do like a breast exam every now and again. Oh, I feel like I know my body or I know I don't have any cavities, like that kind of thing. But I really mean learning about the pleasure principle, like what really makes you tick, what makes you move, what feels good in your body. Um, and then also like, you know, with a partner or with toys, whatever it is that makes you feel good, um, really exploring that, that zone because, um, you know, it's through pleasure also that, you know, we ascend into a space where our primal brain is active, our thinking brain shuts off, and we enter a place where we can actually, you know, transcend and connect with the divine, you know, um, there are certain moments in our life where we feel these sensations that are um, overwhelming and that connect us to the flow of life, and that's um, at high-level arousal and orgasm, and that's at birth, and also at, and, and peaks at death, right? So, you know, um, certain neurochemicals, right, that'll flood our bloodstream, they, they peak in those three times in our lives. And we also get them in spikes when we have excitement, right? So whether it's not, um, you know, uh, sexual excitement, it could be something that's like, you know, you're excited about that's new in your life. Um, so we want to create these moments, right? And so um, a big thing is really connecting with your body, learning how what makes you tick and talk, what turns you on, because that's also a powerful outlet, too, for rest. Um, so many women are stressed out and, you know, if, if they were really tapped into their bodies, could get, you know, emotional, physical uh, release as well as stress release, um, you know, by just being able to have um, an orgasm too. 
Yeah, no, it, it's so interesting because again, we we always have to be fighting against these cultural beliefs or, or just shifting away from these cultural beliefs that say in order to be successful, we need to be, uh, we need to sacrifice ourselves right. and our wellness. And here, what you're saying is, no, it's actually nurturing yourself that leads to that success, which yes. is so freeing to hear. Um, we only have a, a few minutes left, but you have some great things that I want people to know about. I mean, first of all, mamaglow.com is an amazing website. So I recommend everyone go to check it out. But you also just recently launched a non-toxic pregnancy guide. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. So um, with the Environmental Working Group, which is the, the nation's leading um, environmental advocacy and um, education and research organization in the country, um, they've partnered with us to create this beautiful guide. It's a 20-page glossy guide. It's also available on our site. Um, you can download it for free. And it has nine glow tips for your nine months. And so we're looking at everything from um, mercury to lead to fragrance to BPA, which you find in plastics and chemicals in food, um, harmful cleaning agents, um, toxic cosmetic ingredients, water contaminants, and fire retardants. So we look at those main ones and basically give people accessible tips that they can incorporate into their lives so that they can, you know, have a pregnancy where they can clear a lot of these things out. Because a lot of it, this information isn't, you know, commonplace, right? We know we're supposed to be eating right, but we don't know that, you know, necessarily our cosmetics are causing an issue or, you know, um, maybe what's in our water, right? Because we're not up on what's in the water supply. So it's just a really great guide, and it's not just for, you know, non-toxic pregnancy. It's really for non-toxic life. Like, we should all be mm -hmm. doing these things anyway. Yeah. So whether you're having a baby or not, I really encourage you to read through it because it's going to have, like, um, information that's going to be useful to you, but also you could pass it along to someone else. And where can they go to get that guide? So you can go to mamaglow.com, which is M-A-M-A-G-L-O-W.com, and on the right-hand side of the um, column, you'll see a beautiful little picture of the non-toxic pregnancy guide there. You just click on it and um, type in your email, and they'll give you a download. Oh, well, that's fantastic. Wonderful. And um, real quick, we have 30 seconds left. When is your book coming out? I need to mark my, it my book calendar. book is slated for, yes, it's for 2015. We don't have an exact date yet. Obviously, I will come and speak and yes. um, hang out with you when it does, but... Stay tuned. Pray on it, guys, because it's been a long time coming, this one. <laughs> well, we are praying, and you are always welcome on the show. 